Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzone. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a show about weirdos, doggone it. My name is John Boy and it is John Boy time. Joining me as ever, live. By a satellite, three children in a trench coat disguising themselves as an adult man. It is the handsomest son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. My friend, Aaron Joseph Peter. Thank you. That's very, very sweet of you. And I'll have you, I'll have you know that each one of those uh, midgets, children in a, tr- <laughs> in a trench coat, are all wearing N95 masks. And they are all wearing rubber gloves uh, during this this. This time that we find ourselves in. Oh, that's good. I know who doesn't use protection. You know who doesn't ever wear protection? <laughs> yeah, Matt I think I, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. How you, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's been uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's been fine. Yeah, it's been great. We're just getting started. Uh, John, you've been doing a lot of walking, you say. That's good. Yeah, I'm all sunburned. That's why he's laying down. He's exhausted. <laughs> he's on his fainting couch. <sighs> no, I was like, um, I was, I was, I'm walking through the cemetery all the time. And one day they, one day they were closed early, and, <laughs> and I was like, everybody's dead in there. <laughs> what are you? What's the worry here? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know. But uh, don't want Joey Ramone to catch it. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, Donnie, and Dee Dee are both in there. Oh, sorry, Joey. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been a, you know, a time killing fun thing to do. <laughs> you know, that's good. That's plus, I got to get you know, Aaron. Aaron hit two hundred pounds. I'm supposed to hit one eighty. So yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work on it. But uh, like, I, I, I haven't been on a scale. I don't even know how close. I am remotely. So, me and Aaron swapping 20 pounds. (laughs) That's like the fruitiest shit we've ever done. Yeah, so far. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing it on a dare. We're doing it on a dare basis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you're listening to this uh, (laughs) and you you want more, there's a Patreon. (laughs) <laughs> you can subscribe to that. Uh, we've we've been getting more subscriptions now than ever. It's been yeah. crazy. People are all holed up in their yeah. bunkers, and they want all that fucking extra bullshit. Yeah, and we're here to give you that bullshit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And none of it's recorded. No, like I this. no, no, no. no. <laughs> Not yet. I go guys who won't know how to do it and deliver it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, John. The way you're sitting right now, you look like yeah. You guy. look like you're about to put a video up like asking for <laughs> hot black thugs fresh out of jail. You look like the fucking Robert Paul champagne right now. It's hot, dude. Yeah, I look. You know, got a pink face, pink shirt, hot white trash cum dump. Let's. I'm fuck. a hot white trash cum dump. Let's fuck, dude. It's so gross. Yeah, it's so bad. 
Uh, tried it, <laughs> whenever whenever um me and jamie were saying the robert paul champagne thing a lot <laughs> or her sister would be around and we'd always be like you know you want to try it out you can try it out if you want to move in you can move in and then the part that only part where her sister rachel would get upset would, would be when it's like you gotta fuck me <laughs> <laughs> she's like i don't like that part it's like i like all the rest of it but i don't like that part i'm like that's kind of the pivotal part <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? it's the catch oh <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> so aaron you got a little something something yeah i do uh i do have a little something um just kind of in honor or in recognition of in respect the time and with respect to the time that we're all going through all due respect uh, which usually means something disrespectful is coming out <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i'm actually this you know um actually a lot of a lot of uh, outlets have been touching upon this gentleman uh and as of late and his importance and his contributions to medicine and hygiene and uh Ooh, this hi. is uh hi gene Hey, <laughs> Gene, you're on the air. <laughs> uh, I think Google, <laughs> Google had him as their doodle the other day. Um, and this is one Ignaz Semmelweis, a.k.a. the savior of mothers, a.k.a. the guy that got doctors to start washing their fucking hands. Oh, yeah. So... Um, Mid-19th century in Europe, about five in a thousand women died during childbirth when they delivered their babies at home or with a midwife. Yeah. Yet when these women in same place and time, uh, when they had their babies at a hospital with the assistance of a doctor, their death rate was 10 to 20 times higher. Jesus. You know. 50 women in a thousand are dying, right? Mm -hmm. So what they would get is this something called childbed fever and they'd get an incredible high, incredibly high fever, pus, putrid smelling pus emanating from their birth canal, abscesses, Dude. abdomen and chest. Oh. And then they would just re yeah, I know Matt's going to say, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> they would get an irreversible descent <laughs> into, into sepsis and death all within 24 hours of having their kid. Like it, it just progressed incredibly fast and they just had a horrible death in Damn. the hospital. But this, this did not happen as often when they had a midwife do it or they, you know, they delivered their babies alone. Um, enter one man uh, named Ignaz Semmelweis. Now he, he was born in Hungary in 1818 and a relatively uneventful life. Yeah. He went to law school, but he quit two years in and decided to go into medicine. Uh, and he graduated, got his whole medical certification and all that shit. And he applied for a position at Vienna General Hospital in 1846, but he was Jewish and they didn't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't like that. Uh, but so he wanted to get into like regular general medicine or surgery, but um, they saved those for the non-Jews. And so they threw him into the less desirable uh, OBGYN division. Oh, yeah. And 
Um, so he started, um, he was an assistant. Who wants to be around all those vaginas? You know? Well, they're all putrid and blowing up. Sure. Uh, so they, they blowing they up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inflammation is horrible. Uh, Technical yeah, term. it's a medical term. You're right. So he, he ends up working in the obstetrics division of the hospital. And, uh, now at this time, um, maternity, uh, wards and institutions were set up all over Europe to address this very interesting problem, uh, uh, baby murder of illegitimate children. Good God. So, yeah, because they didn't have reliable contraception or, you know, safe abortions, illegitimate children are looked down upon, of course, and oftentimes they, they, they would kill these babies. Like the, the par- you know, the man, the man who was cuckolded or whatever you want to call it, these babies got murked. <laughs> It's a real thing, man. <laughs> yeah, but they got murk. Yeah, these they murk these babies. Uh, yeah. So these institutions were set up as like free services um, for these women and, and offered to care for the infants who are the newborns. Um, and so this made it really attractive to poor and underprivileged women, especially prostitutes, John. Um, <laughs> so... In return for the free services, the women's would then be subject, um, you know, for training with the doctors and midwives. And so at this Vienna, the this hospital in Vienna where Ignaz worked, they had two maternity clinics. One um, had an average mortality rate. Of, oh, oh, average mortality rate. Stay with that because you're frozen on time. And the other clinic at, at the same location. Okay. Uh, where did you lose me? The two clinics were set up? You the mortality back. rate? The mortality rate was about 10% due to this child bed of fever in the one clinic of two at the hospital. In the other clinic, the mortality rate was about 4%, so even lower than half of that. And the two clinics, uh, all they, they admitted patients on alternate days. So like Monday, Wednesday, Friday was clinic one, Tuesday, Thursday, you get it, right? Alternate right. days. Uh but everybody knew the reputation of the two different clinics. So women would like beg to be admitted to the second, the second clinic and they would wait. They would like, and even, you know, um, women would like be just desperate. They would, someone would even be prefer to give birth on the streets as opposed to going to the first hospital, the first clinic. If it was a Monday or whatever, they'd rather give birth in the street because they, it was almost certain death. If they, if they gave birth in the, in the first clinic. So, um, what Ignaz figured out was that the first clinic was staffed by doctors and the second clinic was staffed by midwives. He just was like, oh, this is interesting. Why are the women who are giving birth with midwives having such better outcomes in terms of not dying? Uh, and he, it like really fucking bugged him. He was like, got super depressed. He might've been bipolar. He said that this problem made me so miserable that life seemed worthless. So he's really wow. depressive. And yeah. Damn. Um, I mean, you're watching women, new mothers die yeah. all the time, every day, every, pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, and he, so he started to like break it down. What is the issue between these two, these two clinics at the same hospital? They use the same techniques. He even like narrowed it down, like eliminating like um, different religious practices like okay what are the jew doctors doing what are the non-jew you know and the 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 only difference between the two clinics was who worked there like i said the medical students and the doctors at one 
and then the midwives at the other. So this was back in the day when a lot of like the theory of illness um, was based upon imbalances of the basic four humors of the body, like lymph and blood and all that other bullshit or, uh, you know, miasma, you know, miasma, John, you got miasma falling around all the time. Uh, and so like, the, you know, the main treatment was like, what, why, why, why am I getting the prostitutes in the miasma? Oh, you're a nice guy. Thanks. Thank you. All right, cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. You're pretty rock and roll. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, you know, and, um, they, you know, they thought that, <laughs> they thought that like, you know, the, uh, the bad air floating around is what, what, uh, transmitted diseases. Right. And, right. you know, the only time anybody ever washed their hands back then was to like get the smell off. It wasn't necessarily because they thought there was all sorts of nasty shit. It's just cause like, oh, my hands smell like dead body. So, right. About a year or two later after working um, at this hospital, um, he noticed, well, actually one of his friends who worked there um, was doing a procedure while doing a, uh, an autopsy. And he nicked his finger doing an autopsy. And then the guy basically got childbed fever and fucking croaked. And he did an autopsy on his friend uh okay you're froze man the same shit he's got the exploding pus everywhere and he did an autopsy on his friend and he's like man this guy looks like he had childhood fever but he didn't have a baby or anything what, what is it right and he basically put a he connected the dots between the autopsy and autopsies going on in the morgue and then the the, the childbirths going on in the in the maternity ward and oftentimes, these actually all the time, the doctors would do an autopsy and then Jesus not wash Christ. their hands and You're go deliver me. a baby. No fucking way. Yes. No. And like, <laughs> yes. And so they were inoculating these women with the dead body bacteria. They were immersed in pus for hours, and then they would. Dude, even, like, oh my god! And then they go deliver a baby, and like Dude. you gotta imagine that these, you know, these. Now you gotta, you gotta imagine. Now you gotta imagine these morgues. <laughs> this, this when they. Oh, when they would coat open these bodies, the smell would be so bad that like that the, the students would just puke on the spot. They'd throw up. <laughs> They'd Ralph. They'd Ralph. They'd Ralph. They'd, yeah, that's right. Okay. They'd spew. Uh, and, you know, then, then they're all getting up in there and the inflamed uterus and the fallopian tubes all up in there. And then they'd go deliver, you know, your bouncing bundle of joy. Oh, my God. Uh, that's Aaron. That is blowing my mind. It's pretty nasty. Dude. So, what this is that seems like um uh earlier than 101 you know what i mean yeah like like don't do an autopsy and grab a baby no and these idiots thought he was crazy they're like dude you're full of shit you don't know what you're talking about Uh prove it no way yeah they i mean they ridiculed him so he he voluntarily or voluntarily or voluntarily implemented a hand washing regimen for all of his um, students and everybody in the hospital. They'd have to wash their hands with uh, chlorinated lime, and uh, it, you know, basically instructed them to wash until the smell comes out. And he didn't really have the, he didn't figure out what it exactly was that was doing it. He just knew that this was working because the mortality rate before he implemented the hand washing was eighteen point three percent. Eighteen point three percent of women that were giving birth in this Yikes. in this ward were dying within twenty four hours of giving Dude. birth. 
and so he implemented that in mid-May of 1847. By June, the rate was 2.2%. By July, it was 1.2%. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, it was 0% mortality. Jesus Christ, you're shitting me. Just, just hand washing. Oh my God, man. Yeah, so the midwives, you know, all they did was birth babies and hunt. All they did was birth babies because yeah. you, you froze. Digging around in dead body disposal bins. You know, so the, the you know, what he figured out was that the midwives weren't giving these women whatever it was that was in these dead bodies because they weren't, you know, doing autopsies and dead body disposal. So, you know, his results only were, they were effective, but he didn't have any proof. There was no germ theory or anything like that. So that would come later with Louis Pasteur and Joseph Lister, but, you know, he didn't have any evidence other than it working. Um, and he, he declined to publish his results for like 13 years because he was so you know, ridiculed and, and skeptically looked at by all these doctors. And it kind of drove him mad. Um, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, I mean, they had, dude, they thought there was all sorts of like, they thought like <laughs> the other doctors, like, no, these women are getting sick because they're, uh, they've got a blockage in the bowel. Uh, give them an enema, you know? No. Uh, I mean, no. that was, oh, dude, enemas were just they're all the rage, man. So, Straight jacket first or no? After, <laughs> so they also they, one of the other things they thought was that um, they there was a uh, air was trapped in the birth canal, uh, or or there was a blockage of breast milk, and that's what all the pus was. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> These fucking idiots, man! Dude, holy uh, shit! Yeah, so. <laughs> Oh man. So he, he, you know, he put out like letters and th- that he, he kind of tried to spread his results and some people did adopt them. Some didn't, the ones that did had better results than the ones that didn't. Man. Um, but still people, they, people, cause you, you uh, froze coined something called the Semmelweis. How about now? You're good. The Semmelweis reflex. Yeah, I'm good. I'm great. So they, they dubbed something called the Semmelweis reflex, which is the human tendency to reject or ignore new evidence that contradicts established norms or beliefs. Huh. This guy was saving, uh, you know, the lives of thousands of women, but because everybody was like washing your hands is for pussy, uh, all these women died. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, then he left that he left Vienna, um, and took a uh, head position physician in, in uh, I believe, in Switzerland. And this is um, and this is still mid nineteenth century. No, yeah. So this is now like eighteen fifties, and he he was the uh, head physician at this hospital in uh, in Hungary until eighteen fifty seven, and and there he took the the death rate down to from what was something like I don't know eighteen twenty percent down to less than one percent in four years, in five years. Yeah. And um, then he was offered a position to become professor of obstetrics at the University of Zurich, which is not exactly a lightweight position, but he turned it down because he had to get married, bro. He got Maria Weidenhofer pregnant nice. and had five kids with oh her. They all survived. Yeah, he knew how he to knew. Yeah. He was like, listen, I'm not going to touch any dead bodies before I'm sick of it. 
so but then after this you know in 1861 as he's getting to his late 40s he started having like a lot of like nervous issues oh yeah and, because of all the hand washing shaming <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he gave himself ocd with all the hand washing uh he started getting like severe depression became absent became absent-minded like the paintings of him from 1857 absent-minded he started forgetting things john yeah, no, uh, you're it, freezing. Like, it's not that I don't understand the term. It's that okay. I can't. Right. <laughs> don't wave your fucking finger at me, you asshole. The painting of him. His, uh, no, you don't understand what absent mind. Forgetful. He just says a yeah. dumber word because yep. his fucking internet <laughs> And he says a dumber word to me. <laughs> He was he was silly, John. He didn't understand <laughs> things. You know, maybe I gotta pay my bill, man. Maybe I gotta pay my bill. It'll pay so, the toll for sure. Ooh. So from 1857 to 1864, the paintings that were done of him they show like he aged like a president. Oh God. Had his hands like that. just those were really bad years for him. Um, and, he, and he started just getting like <laughs> he started like just every conversation that you would have with him somehow turned to hand washing. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, he was just like he just no. yeah because he was he was obsessed because he would you know he had been sh- not shut out of the profession but treated as like persona non grata like this is the guy who's all about washing his fucking hands. <laughs> And so he 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 eventually started like publishing some stuff, but he was like really salty to everybody he ever worked with, and started like he called them like uh, uh, irresponsible murders and uh, buffoons and ignoramuses. I mean, all accurate, absolutely accurate, all accurate, <laughs> all accurate. So, yeah, but tough guy to get a drink with. Uh, did you wash your hands? <laughs> yeah. So I noticed his, your fingernails uh, are. Completely disgusting and full of dead human flesh. (laughs) (laughs) That pus? So in it it should have been breast milk. (laughs) (laughs) Time will tell. So in 1865, his public behavior just became so embarrassing to all of his all of his people. Uh, that he was kind of like cut out of all of his groups. He began to be a real drunk, nice. uh, spent a lot of time away from his family, uh, oftentimes with a prostitute. Oh, cool. Uh, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, his wife noticed some changes in his sexual behavior. Oh, no, Aaron, yeah, pro- go into that. Go into, yeah, go into yeah. the pro- you know, probably like I listen, man, I, I didn't I couldn't find any references about that. But my guess, mm-hmm. my guess is that this prostitute was doing some fucking freaky deaky shit. And old mm-hmm. Maria Wiedenhofer wasn't <laughs> putting lead in his pencil. Yeah. <laughs> or taking it's it out. Right. So. <laughs> I might sneeze here, <laughs> but people don't Fine, know exactly. Just wait for, wait for the. <laughs> <laughs> We're all alone. <laughs> oh, bless you, Angel. Bless you, my Excuse oh, me. Wow. Could, could have at least done it when it was freezing. <laughs> so, 
Um, nobody really knows exactly what the nature of his affliction was. It might have been him going mad. It might have been early Alzheimer's. It might have been dementia. It might have been just like pure, just cognitive decline. Ah. Uh. Getting dumb because you're getting old, right? Um, one theory is that he might have got syphilis because a lot of uh, obstetricians got syphilis because they're digging around in all these diseased prostitute vaginas. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And that can drive you crazy yeah. too, right? So <laughs> whatever happened, so he, <laughs> his friend Ferdinand uh, was like, hey, why don't you come down to this uh, one of these new institutes over here in Vienna? We'll, we'll check it out, check it out. And so he shows up, but he, he quickly deduces that it's an insane asylum. No way. He's like, listen, I know what's going on here. I got to get out of here. Um, got to go wash my hands. <laughs> I'll be right back. Listen, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go wash my hands. Okay. Uh, you guys hang tight. <laughs> I met you guys tonight, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> he tries to dip out, but he is immediately jumped and severely beaten by the guards. <laughs> uh, thrown in a straight jacket, thrown in a straight jacket, and confined to a dark, solitary cell. Hell yeah! Right, kept in a straight. Your oh, medicine back then? They they, they oh, had it man. all figured out. So <laughs> jump him and straight... beat him. He's nuts. They give him an enema. <laughs> This was straight. <laughs> so he's kept in a straitjacket in this mental institution in a dark cell. They douse him with cold water. They no. give him castor oil, which is a oh. laxative to make him shit. They give him an enema. Multiple. <laughs> uh, he dies two weeks later. Two oh. weeks later, he oh. dies at the age of 47 from a gangrenous wound due to a. Okay. Gets oh, gangrene no. on a wound on his right hand, which was most likely caused by the guards beating the shit out of him. Whoa. Because who knows what kind of nasty shit those guards were getting into, you know? Oh, God. So that he dies of, you know, um, blood poisoning. And uh, he, he, he dies, you know, not, never having seen what his work accomplished because just a few years later louis pasteur discovers the germ theory and pasteurization and joseph lister discovers and an, you know antiseptic um the namesake of listerine of course um and it wasn't even until the 1980s that this special guideline on hand washing best practices almost like until when until when this the 1980s. No Back way. then, people were washing their hands all blind. Nobody knew how to wash their goddamn hands. People still don't know how to wash their goddamn hands, and that's why I <laughs> decided that, to yeah. throw this little, <clears throat> little nugget together. Ignaz Semmelweis. Damn. So the very thing he fought his whole life was basically also the thing that killed him. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucked. John, you're frozen now, buddy. Oh, we lost him. Good, good. Screen take. It's a, it's a, a good, good screenshot of that. <laughs> I'm gonna draw dicks all over his face. <laughs> yeah, I took a screenshot of it. 
Yeah, I, I remember uh, <clears throat> the Guardian had an article about it. And it was just like, yeah, just the guys going from the morgue straight to straight, give birth. Straight. What the fuck? Not even a rinse. Fuck. Just all this no. nasty shit all over their hands. You're going to, I mean, if you're laying on a table, legs akimbo. Aren't you going to be like, hey, man, just, I don't want that. Nat, what what do you have on your hands? Did you just eat a mayonnaise Who's, sandwich? What is that? Whose blood is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is that? I mean, even the Romans, they would like rinse their hands yeah, in water. Yeah. Right? And like, you know, that that's a lot of, you know, a lot of the um, Abrahamic religions have those, you know, ablutions. You know, you wash your hands or for these sorts of ceremonies. Oh, and stuff. right, and, right, right. And those type of things are kind of in a lot of theories about like why Jews did disproportionately better during the Black Plague because they had hygiene rules. Um, Oh, it wasn't because they were demons. It was just logic. Well, the jury's still out, but I'm sure the hand washing didn't help. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's Ignaz Semmelweis. Now, now, Matt, now it looks like it's just you and me here in the mm-hmm. chat. <laughs> yeah. Fuck I sent out, out another again. invite. Uh, this is a good time for a break, though. And we're back. <laughs> Sorry about the technical difficulties. I'm, I'm, wait, we're not back. I mean, I don't know. This whole thing is dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, we're back. We're back. Um, now, Matt, uh, me and Aaron, we're a little con- conflicted over what your, what your main course is tonight. I thought you might be talking to, like about the, the cult thing you were telling me about. Yeah, there. Well, I was gonna. I I, I bought this. Uh, one of our one of our listeners they uh, uh, told us to look up this one person who I will do a profile eventually. And the only the best source I could find on this one person was from this uh, zine uh, that was eventually turned into a book called Kooks by Donna Cassie. Oh it yeah. A, it was a zine in the eighties, and then she made a museum out of weirdos, and she became like the foremost expert in. Uh, weird ideas. Yeah. And so I found one. It's going to be about this cult, but uh, it's pretty fucking... It gets pretty sad. So <laughs> I, I figured I'll save that for when we're in studio. <laughs> we're not all in lockdown. <laughs> and life is semi, semi-normal again. Uh, but in the same book, I found a, there was another uh, great one. Um, of course, there's a bunch. and re- Donna is now... Um, this, I'm just going to be running through kooks for a while. But this one is about something we've touched on uh, in many different ways, from the um, burned-out spiritualism of Western New York to terrible medicine and bad ideas to New Age cults and rethinking religion. Um, and this one is about uh, the Koreshans. Oh, like David Koresh? Not David Koresh. <laughs> no. The original Koresh, K-O-R-E-S-H. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> so uh, I'm, uh, my sources were Kooks by Donna Cassie, uh, Upstate Cauldron by Jocelyn Goodwin, all about the fucking weird shit coming from New York. <laughs> Upstate Cauldron, a yeah, great man. name. It's a very good name. Not hardcore New York beatdown sound. <laughs> <laughs> I love making John spit up. I love it. 
He's desperate to it. I, I know. Oh, God. Oh, you got to spit up. He needs oh, a good God. <laughs> All right. Oh, so... God. <laughs> so this, oh. one, this one is about <sighs> a man who was, origi- <laughs> who was originally named Cyrus Teed. <laughs> Cyrus. The virus. <laughs> Osiris. Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> so Cyrus Deed, he was born 1839, Delaware County, New York. It's the, like that's that's the crook. When you look at New York, that's the crook of the elbow. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Mm. So uh, it wasn't the burned out district; that was the passed over district, uh-huh. which is worse in a way. Yeah, skip it. it. Skip it. It didn't. It didn't burn with religious fever. No thanks. No, it was just disregarded by God completely. <laughs> <laughs> where did I put those? <laughs> yeah, right on, right on. Uh, so, as as a youngster, uh, he he was actually a distant cousin of Joseph Smith. Hey, you know, one of the things coming out of Western New York there. Fraud. Uh, and uh, so he grew up in, in Delaware and spent a little time in Guilford. Uh, as a youngster, he was a he was he was known amongst his family as a good order, and his family hoped he would become a Baptist minister. Uh, but instead, he decided to get into medicine. Uh, his he was inspired by his uncle, and um, he was always kind of a weird kid. One day, when he was eighteen, he came home and he announced to his uncle, who was a doctor, and he announced, he announced to him. He said, "I am Jesus Christ." I see the whole world. It is open before me. Huh. He was 18. Uh-huh. So, you know, great assault and all that. Few greens. <laughs> so uh, then at 18, then he gets married. He has a kid at 20. He joins the Union Army Medical Corps. Huh. And then uh, what not year long is after... This is 1866 or okay, so. Okay, so right around the same time that we were just talking about. A lot of crazy yeah. shit going on. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he joins the Union Army Medical Corps. Yeah, I mean, what kind of medical corps? I mean, I think we've talked about this in the Woodhall episode, um, where, like, the Union Army, they it took them years to have someone in charge who was like, stop giving people mercury. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And eventually they did. Um, but he was and kicked wash out your of... hands before you play with those <laughs> pussies, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> So after not not long after uh, joining the Union Army Medical Corps, he was sent home for being ill or injured. They didn't say which. It was just <laughs> yeah, annoying, <laughs> annoying. I got <laughs> I got sent home from work for being way too ill, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then nobody, like, nobody get any work done. Was, and I didn't have a license to ill. I was practicing no. illitude. There's a lot of ill communication going down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I wish it was Illmatic, but it was Illmanual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so then he, uh, what he does is he he goes back to New York and he get, he joins he enrolls in the New York City uh, Eclectical College, Eclectical Medicine, nice. being being a mix of um, you know, the, Brink, the Brinkley stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a grab bag. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of phrenology, a little bit of interpretive chat. <laughs> it's eclectic. Yeah, it's all about the hands you're not washing. Yeah. That's right. 
Jazz hands. It's all about the hands you're not washing. <laughs> That's very good, Matt. <laughs> but that was a Brinkley thing, right? That's yeah. like, you know, all of the, it was it was it was new age, but it was also all of these people being like, hey, this old doctor shit doesn't work. What if we tried, mm-hmm. you know, you know, more um like herbs and shit. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so uh, in 1868, he, he graduates from the college with a degree in eclectical medicine. He opens up a practice in Uti- U- Utica, uh, another passed over district. He's 29. To separate himself uh, from the druggist in town, you know, the traditional medicine practicer, him and his eclectic medical shop, he hangs a sign over his, his shop reading, quote, he who deals out poison deals out death. You know, is anybody taking pills and all that mm-hmm. shit? Yeah. And he, because he was, he was, he was very bothered with uh, the power of rationalism, which was coming through at the time. Um, and rationalism is this, this idea that, um, there, there's, there's, there's two arguments to it. Um, every, like one is casual. Every event that happens is connected to something else, either directly or indirectly. Ah, mm. Causality. Yes, and one you know one one philosopher talking about it said, "Oh, then if I bend my fingers, that means the stars are. I will move the stars, right?" Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole idea of science trying to to work science. its way I- into medicine, but mm-hmm. in in a theoretical way, not with any sort of um, study of hand washing. Right, a lot of thinking, not a lot of practice. Right, and even you know the practice. You know, so so he starts getting you know trying to fight this rationalism by by starting his own lab mm-hmm. and so he'll he'll be a doctor at day and then at night he's he he works in his lab starts his own experiments to investigate what he called quote electro alchemy which mm-hmm. is a thing he just invented oh, i like the sound of that <laughs> electro alchemy oh, i used to listen to that kind of music in college <laughs> Same time. Yeah. so uh kind of what so, i think my seduction style is like <laughs> electro alchemy big time yeah, he drugs girls and then shocks them with a cattle prod. When they get... <laughs> you fucking sick fuck. That's your Aaron, you terrible. It's electrical alchemy. You, you're the one you said. You're the one you said. <laughs> you're the one you said. You're the yeah. one you said. You're not yeah. even making sense. You sick. Are you shorting out right now? Is this is real. You're the one you said. You're the one you said. I think it's buffering again. Fear Bill. <laughs> So he's she's buffering. No, Laura, she does be buffering quite a bit during the pandemic. She does be she does buffer quite an extent. I don't know what any of that is. So, so in 1869, he builds his lab. He's 30 years old. He starts his own experiments. He introduces electricity and magnetism to alchemy. And, and and this is the electrical alchemy, and it begins a process he calls transmutation, a.k.a. he turns mm-hmm. one substance into another. You know, you know, you know they were always yeah. trying to turn stuff into gold, but now he claims, through this, he claims to have discovered how to reduce matter into energy, huh. and, then, and then using magnetism, he could turn that matter into a different type of matter, hmm. a.k.a. he could turn any base metal into gold dust. Hmm. And he said he could do this, but it was only visible through the most powerful microscope in the world. Oh, in God. The world, in the world. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 
Uh, no one had that, sadly. Not even one person? There had to be one person. I mean, you yeah. think so. The I mean, it's got to be... The, I mean, by default, there is one most powerful mm-hmm. microscope in the world somewhere. Right. Even if there's only two... Oh, God, you're going totally but, nuts like right now. You're totally freaking out. What did you just say? Did you just come? <laughs> Nothing. Did you just come? Did you just come? <laughs> What the hell are you stumbling and stuttering about, you psycho? Did you just come? Big time. (laughs) Big time. Oh god. So so as he's as he figures out, as he as he uh, uh, discovers, and he says, uh, um, you know, how to transmute stuff into gold, he did, there's another byproduct to this. And then he says, while he was doing this, he also discovered the secret to immortality. And much like, much like turning a base metal to gold, he could transmute a mortal human into a physically immortal human by controlling, quote, human life forces. You know, like you would metal. Right, right. I once met a transmute. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that there. <laughs> Just gonna say that. Well, what did what did Zay have to say for themselves? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> nice one. Nice one. <laughs> So this guy says, I can control the chi, the life force, mm-hmm. the prana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got some magnets. I got yeah. some gold dust. Yeah, and if you if, if you could see the shit I was making, you'd understand that it yeah, is. But, right. you but you can't. But you can't. But, but I'm this making very, it. Very, it's such a Joseph Smith right. thing, too. Which could translate it if only you had the emerald tablets, but you don't. So right, take my no, word yeah, for it. it is, yeah, These yeah. People but, a if, park, yeah, if only you had the viewer that is so pivotal to being able to understand it, mm. but you don't. You don't you're have a loser. the appropriate plug-in. <laughs> yes, you, you, you do not have a. You need to update your flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So uh, so he he keeps doing these uh, uh, experiments, right? And one night, while working in the in the middle of his in his lab, um, he he he's 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 pushing it further and further, and he begins tr- concentrating very hard on immortality, and he goes into a trance. Nice. He says, and he says he says uh, suddenly I experienced a relaxation of the occiput or back of the brain. He goes this whole thing about this is the part of the brain. This is the and then but but he says. Uh, uh, they gradually spread to the center of my brain, to the extremities of my body, and apparently to me, in the auric sphere of my being, miles outside of my body, a vibration so gentle, soft, and dulciferous that I was impressed to lay myself upon the bosom of this gently oscillating ocean of magnetic and spiritual ec- ecstasy. That's what I've been screaming. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he was basically coming, I think. Yeah, yeah. big time. And so he says, as this is happening, he's put in this, like, human trance, and as this is happening, he sees this goddess figure mm. and 
he reaches Trans out to touch her. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he said he, he says he puts forth as I supposed my material arm and hand to experience some familiar touch, but there was no response. <laughs> and then he said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The material arm reached back. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you. I'll see you. I reached out to the transmute. <laughs> and all the transmute said was Wahapom. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to yell at this figure. Die. Mm-hmm. And all that comes from... <laughs> Deservedly. Deservedly. Yeah. He, he goes to yell at this figure, and all that emerges from his mouth is a woman's voice. And she spoke... Oh, she... he is the transmute now. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a transmutation, I'm afraid. <laughs> and from his mouth, she this voice spoke of his past incarnations. And then he opens his eyes, and he sees, quote, an exquisite woman emerging from a sphere of purple and golden light, and she identified herself as the father, the son, and the mother, and that it was hmm. time for him to spread his truth around the world, and this would be okay. his mission. And then, right before she leaves, she says, hey, I'm going to show up in the flesh, by the way, and then she leaves. Oh, nice. So, hey, that's something to look forward to, right? Is it, uh, right before she leaves, she says, I'm going to show up in, in the, the flesh. flesh. In the flesh, <laughs> yeah. The flesh is cool. Which kind of like is like reminding me, Aaron, I don't know if you feel the same way about kind of like the Jack Parsons manifesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is, did, Took the did, words right did out you of get that? In, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. The whole idea of the, you know, the, the Babylon, woman, yeah. the, the, you know, the mystical woman or a redhead or whatever. Yeah. Uh, was, she could be brunette. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a wig. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if she's a trans mute, odds are it. I thought she was a trans mime. <laughs> I should have known her hands were so big. <laughs> but wait, why are you yelling? Then I realized she just had huge hands. <laughs> uh, no, I got the same. That's very fucking stupid. <laughs> Why are you yelling? And then I just realized she had huge hands. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, man, here's the deal, man. Everybody needs to jump. That's so fucking stupid. yelling yeah. it's basically miming in all caps ah uh, dude yes thank <laughs> yeah. you in, wing, in, in wingdings yeah. i was i was it's it, it, it hit me really hard because i was i was just talking about working <laughs> with somebody that sent emails oh. in all caps oh god and i had to tell her like hey this is not what a <laughs> professional person does no you know, um, these people don't know. And she was so mad when I broke the news to her. Like, do you understand that you look like you're screaming? And she, and she was, she was really, really annoyed with me. And I was just like, I'm sorry, but 
this is like little kid my first computer like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like <laughs> so so i think i think big hands signing <laughs> looking like yelling it's very 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 funny aaron that's very very nice i like to be dumb yes it's very fucking stupid thank you <sighs> sorry matt uh, no all good that's why we do this so cyrus t right cyrus t so after he sees this whole uh, uh ama- amazing sexual hot thing so he decides his mission is to quote uh, achieve the victory over death, not for myself, but for those who I come as a sacrificial offering. So what he's wow. saying is he sees himself as the second coming of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but he didn't want to call himself Christ. Then Electro Jesus. <laughs> so so in, instead he took the Hebrew <laughs> translation of his first name, Cyrus which translates into Koresh. Mm. Ah. And he said his, te- his teachings would be known as Koreshanity. Whoa. Oh, man. I did that workout program <laughs> once. It was Koreshanity, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he called his followers Koreshans. Yeah. And, uh, you know, around this time... Um, his, uh, I believe it was his cousin who was like working at a building site. He said, he said uh, that when uh, Cyrus showed up, I saw a halo around him. Oh God! And this is this is from this is from a follower. This is from his last follower. <laughs> yeah. Who's telling this? Who's telling follower. these these stories? Who's like, yeah, his cousin said he saw a halo around him. Yeah. And uh, and th- this other person said when he walked into the room, we all lit up in yellow. So apparently it was going around. Damn. Now the central teaching of uh, uh, of Koreshanity is this: the Earth is not a sphere hurtling through empty space, but is actually a concave, hollow shell. That's right. Eight eight thousand miles across, twenty five thousand miles around, Check and in the middle of it contains the cosmos, with man at its center. Yeah. Uh, and he calls this uh, cellular co- co- uh, cosmog- cosmogony. Now, yeah. cosmogony is a branch of science that deals mm-hmm. with the origin of the universe, especially the solar system. And so this is his explanation of it. All life develops in a shell, egg, or womb. The law of development in the greater or macrocosmic order does not depart from the universal law. The Earth, therefore, is the great womb of natural development. Hence, we are living in a shell. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that uh, theoretical bullshit he seemed to be shunning earlier. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. It took. Right. Yeah. It's kind a very, it's a very pick and, pick and choose uh, yeah. approach to. Everything science. devolves in a shell or an egg or whatever. So Tell me I'm naturally, wrong. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, my, my friend Jeff, he always. Living in a box. Every... <laughs> He always said that everything in like box. Someone in the box. <laughs> the box. Uh, my, my friend Jeff, he said everything in life either comes out of or goes into a hole. So I mean that's the same idea. Right. The yeah. I mean, yeah. Any of those fucking absolutes are just totally insane when it comes to science. You'd be like, listen, man, it's circles and nothing else. <laughs> and you go like, All right, well, no, it's not, so shut up. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, these these rules that people make up for themselves, like, well, I've 
it all comes back to one thing. It's like, no, it comes back to all types of dumb shit we don't even understand. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Man? You wish it was one thing. Yeah. Then you could comprehend it, right? <laughs> yeah, it'd be good for your narrative. You'd be like, it's yeah. all about eggs or fucking whatever, sperm. you know? Sperm. Yeah, or it's all about it holes. Is. Like, you know. It is all about holes and sperm and eggs. And sperm. And tips. <laughs> and wigs. <laughs> Red wigs. So this guy. Oh, dude, you have no idea. Let's call the hollower. Hold on. Go back. Start again. (laughs) I'm sorry. So this idiot, this idiot's got his own cosmology uh, figured out. We live in a hollow earth type of situation. The whole universe is inside. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not necessarily hollow. It, it's a yeah. Well, yes. Ex- you're, you, Aaron, as always, you've you've caught on uh, exactly, and we'll get to. What do you mean? Uh, as always. Well, yeah, it's usually very good. At, at, <laughs> John, I'm not saying you haven't. I'm just saying he. No, got, no, no. Well, it was no, implied, no. Matt. <laughs> well, maybe it's because we're not all in the same room or something, or maybe it's because I haven't paid my bills, or uh, <laughs> maybe I don't know what it is, but. It sounded harshly judgmental. John, you're doing great. (laughs) I'll be right back. Yeah. Um, Hey, what did you just say? I don't know. I don't know what terrible thing you just said to me because you froze. (laughs) Hey, we're all pulling for you. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um. So, Matt, just real quick. Uh, yeah. I mean, Aaron, I think probably I told you that I know about this Koreshian guy, too, from the uh, the area I moved from in, in Florida. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to the Fort Myers stuff. Okay. But yeah, that's that's cool. I knew I knew that there was, you know, the the whole thing you're talking about with the concave and. John, you don't have to prove it to me. I believe you. No, it's just it's it it is. I I no, I've been excited to learn more about it because I never did do the deep dive on it. And um <laughs> They were also kind of pioneers in that mm-hmm. in that area uh, mm-hmm. for non-natives. Yes. Yeah. But continue. Very please. much so. Yeah. So uh, so let's not forget. During this whole time, he's discovering that he's the second coming of Christ, but not Christ. He's also still a doctor. No. Like, so he's like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So he still has he still has patients, and so he'll still treat his patients normally. But as he's treating them, he'll start dropping in his new ideas and calling himself Koresh. Oh, God. And so in no time, his patients leave him, and he has to leave Utica, and then he has to move to another town. He moves in with his uh, parents to in their mop-making factory or wherever, their mop-making business. Uh, My son's a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I care. The mop... <laughs> Messiah. Plus, he's a transmute, which is new, <laughs> non-binary. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and so he keeps moving town to town to town, opening up new doctors' offices, and then eventually he'll tell his patients what he really thinks, and they'll go, oh, "Fuck this!" So then he has to leave town, and he has to leave town, and then eventually this happens, and his wife leaves him and takes their kid. But during all of this, uh, he he does he does 
he makes one convert over this. This is a very tough period for him. <laughs> it's not his cousin. <laughs> it's not his cousin on a building site, is it? <laughs> there are, no, it's not. There are very, very little victories. Uh, you know, eventually, like, if he moves to Syracuse to run the Syracuse Institute of Progressive Medicine with his brother, of course, in the Department of Medical Electricity, which is a, of course. His, his specialty. Yeah. It's electroalchemy. Let's be real. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, he, he eventually gets one convert, another doctor named Dr. A.W.K. Andrews. I don't think it's Andrew W.K. It's A.W.K. <laughs> Andrews. Just want to be sure. Doctor of partying. Yeah. yeah. Like, His prescription uh, was... Uh... To, party, to party hard. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly. Andrew W.K. M.D. <laughs> <laughs> And so this guy, Dr. Andrews, I don't, I can't find anything else about him other than he was from Maine. He graduated from the University of Michigan and he had a bunch of money. So he kept, he kept Koresh funded. Yeah. And with this in 1873, Koresh and Andrews are invited to speak at the Harmony Society in Economy, Pennsylvania, which is now uh, some other name. The Harmony Society was one of these, like, not a cult. It's one of these utopian societies this one was born out of 1800s Germany, born out of a, like a split off of people who didn't want to be part of the Lutheran movement. And then the Lutherans uh, basically kicked them out of Germany because they thought they were ridiculous. And so they had the, one of their harmonious societies. <laughs> Punk rock Protestants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? You guys are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, they thought the Lutherans were ridiculous? Or those are the original? No, the Lutherans thought they were ridiculous. Oh, gotcha. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's all very silly. Yeah. Some guy, so it's some guy named Luther? Come on. <laughs> I don't know. And so they had a... They had a I already uh, couldn't start... take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. V- Vandross. Or... Or, yeah. or a piss. I think <laughs> Luther did. Remember Luther had a big old kidney stone in him? Yeah. That's tough. Martin Luther. Yeah. Thanks for good music, though. <laughs> and and speeches. <laughs> and speeches. And creams. Oh, big time. You got the yeah. speeches, I got the dream. <laughs> I like very, to be dumb. I'm it's sorry. very, very good, Aaron. Very We're in trying good. times. We're in very trying times, historical it's, times right now. It's been really difficult for me, man. I've got to be. I've got to level with you, pal. <laughs> Plus, I farted. <laughs> oh, oh boy. So, 1873, he goes to the Harmony Society in Economy, Pennsylvania. What is then known as Economy, Pennsylvania, because it, it was a city that the Harmony Society created. And at the, at the speaking engagement, Koresh, uh, he's a hit with them. And so, he, but he has such a great time with them. And he had, you know, he had, he had been affiliated with Shakers in Western New York. And so, so the Shakers I knew. I associated with Shakers. I'm not going to lie. From the Harmony Society. He takes on their uh, practices of celibacy and <laughs> communism. 
and they take on like and and the the president of the harmony society was then forever after accused of spouting the koreshian cosmology cosmogony wow so like they had there was this there was this this back and forth that they really had a great time and so uh eventually after this no more wins until the 80s until the 80s so another in 1884, oh. all of a sudden these lawsuits start showing up from disenchanted followers of his oh. of his of his uh, ideas, and then all of a sudden he gets a lot of lawsuits from husbands whose wives had joined him. Nice, because he because he, he he gains followers here and there with his idea with his like, hey, women are equal to men, right? <laughs> Which crazy Even idea that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, th- we, we think they're with us, but, but they haven't really spoke <laughs> up about it. <laughs> but with his, his communistic practices and his celibacy, women are like, hey, it's safe here. Oh. No one's tried to fuck us. Oh, God. And we also get like half the, the means stuff. to production. <laughs> so, so, but that, the lawsuits start showing up in the 1884. And so he has to flee Syracuse for that. He ends up in New York City. 1886, he meets this woman named Mrs. Thankful Hale. Hell yeah. Thank Her first Hale. name is Thankful. Thank I mean, we think we have silly names today, but that's... Grateful. Thank Aaron, you. Aaron, that's the type you like, the grateful type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about? I like the... I like the, the grateful... The yeah, I was hoping you could trans into a mute for me. Shit. You got me. So, 1886, he meets this woman, uh, Thankful Hale, and she's an associate with the National Association of Mental Science. A group I cannot find anything about. <laughs> National Association of Mental Science. Yeah. Because it was like mental, like off the rails. Like it was mental. The science is mental, mental bro. It's mental, bro. Mental, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, talking about, like, I'm talking about electro alchemy, mate. I'm talking about <laughs> blood, man. <laughs> these men and they make them into women and they don't talk man it's crazy <laughs> at first I was like that's weird that's gay <laughs> nice trainers <laughs> mental science is easy money bro <laughs> it's light work <laughs> every three minutes the science is mental, bro. It could hardly be described as science at all, actually. <laughs> it's, barely, it's barely a factual thing about it. There's, there's shakers and quakers and all sorts of shit, man. Fucking mental. That's so fucking. Oh, <laughs> JB's losing it. It's so dumb. <laughs> the shakers and quakers. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. mental, man. Everyone's sharing. 
<laughs> it's like everybody's like washing their hands or something, you know? It's crazy. Like they, they're seizing the means of production to each <laughs> own, uh, to each according to their need, from each according to their oh, ability. Also, like pretty sick trainers. <laughs> <laughs> So 1886, he goes to speak to this uh, National Association of Metal Sides in Chicago. He's, in, he's invited to speak at their uh, convention of sorts. He's and his fucking pr- Christ, you're fucking Windy City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're telling me. Uh, <laughs> he goes there, and his presentation impresses them so much, they immediately elect him president of the association. Oh, God. Of mental science? <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Yeah, perfect. Oh, God. And now, now he finally has a following. He's 47 years old by now. And so what he does is he stays in Chicago, and using the funds from the association, he, he founds the Koreshian Unity and the World's College of Life, oh. featuring courses in electroalchemy, metaphysics, and mental science, of course. And using the association's money, he purchases an old mansion. He calls it Beth, Beth Opfra, Beth Opfra, which uh, Beth Opfra is a place. It's a. Uh, it comes from Micah one ten in the in the Bible, mm. and the, this is the New King James version. I know you guys are of familiar. Of course, with it. It, says, <laughs> <laughs> it says, "Tell it not to Gath, weep not at all. In Beth Opfra, roll yourself in the dust." And uh-huh. dust, dust is a biblical thing that usually means, uh, you know, like the, it's a negative. So, you know, it, it's kind of like roll yourself in the, the negative history of man, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's a place where you're cast out almost. Right. This is, this is, this is his house of. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know you get wet. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Angel dust. <laughs> well, I didn't know you get wet. Herman Hemsley. Just so strong, man, it'll make you transmute. <laughs> make you start shouting with your fingers, speaking in hieroglyphics. I hear you, sir. <laughs> you, do not, you do not have to speak so loudly. <laughs> It's ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so from from this new mansion, he uh, he creates the uh, the the headquarters of the Koreshian movement. Uh, he he creates the College of Life and the dormitories that would house all of the members. There's about 126 people now, mostly female, who are part of him. Nice. Yeah, part of it, part of his uh, movement. Yeah, what's female? I don't believe in gender. Yeah, what is he? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, I I, I just can't. That's the thing I read. I don't know what it means. Oh, okay. And was that know. was that on mute or were those was it was those volume volume chicks? Yeah, volume <laughs> chicks. Yeah, transmutes or volume chicks. I'm getting these volume, chicks in stereo, volume. man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so. Then from here, he starts traveling the country uh, to preach and gain converts. 
and he gained converts in Massachusetts, Maryland, California, Colorado, Oregon. He goes over the entire country as you know as much as he can. Uh, Eighteen ninety one, he finds that he's gaining too many middle and upper class followers. So yeah. It, he doesn't want to become, you know. <laughs> you mean yeah? No, what you mean? want the poor people. Of course, of course. So what he does is he creates, a, he establishes what he calls the Bureau of Equitable Commerce. It's just basically a co-op of sharing and equality among members. Of course, the leaders at the center. Uh, of course. And but nobody's teaching, fucking. No, no one's fucking. In his teaching, he advocates women's equality and population control. Damn. Because celibacy, he believed, would, quote, allow Koreshans to conserve their life forces and, and achieve physical immortality. Damn. Get the fuck out of here. Seriously? Yeah. That was why? And he believed that human evolution was stunted by alcohol, tobacco, and sex. Mm. This, is a, this is a quote. The vileness of the average male soaked in nicotine and alcohol passes through the sperm cells to infect the next generation. Oh, and God. Women, and women have every right to protect herself against him. Better believe you should, lady. (laughs) (laughs) And also, get me out of there. (laughs) And transmutes can handle themselves. (laughs) Also, also the the deity, the deity, the deity he believed in. Asshole. (laughs) Your face, your face after after the trans. It always freezes. (laughs) Just eyebrows up. Doing this? What? What? What did I say about trans beans? I don't know. What? 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 Also, his uh, his deity was hermaphroditic. Nice. And who while the it, who wa- is it? Just his general god. The just his mon- general it's god. Monotheistic. It's stereotheistic. <laughs> Single, all knowing, all powerful. Uh, and, and, stereotheistic. And... <laughs> Dude. Because it's both genders, Matt. That's, That's very right. good. Very good. <laughs> it's not mon- it's not monotheistic. It's stereotheistic. Because yeah. he has both, Aaron. I don't know if you understand what that means, dude. <laughs> I don't. And also, also the other thing is that the Bible in the Bible, there's this select group of tribe members who create who become the sons of Israel. It is this, but the Bible has this obsession with the the, the number of one one hundred. Well, uh, uh, no, uh, also one hundred forty four thousand. Oh, which that's probably, the, also, I think, the Jehovah's which, Witnesses. I mean, 12 times 12 them. is 144. That's fucking yeah. random as hell, 144,000. It's, it's a very dumb thing. You think the Jehovah's Witnesses have a thing where, like, only 144,000 people make it to heaven? Huh. Be, because what that is is that the, the sons of Israel are these 12 tribes ah. of 12,000. 12, yes. And what he did in his, um, the his uh, idea... Yeah. Was that there was 144,000 men, but then he added 144,000 women. Hot, hot, hot. But nobody's and, fucking. <laughs> no yeah, one's exactly. fucking. Exactly. Yeah. Which is probably great because, as you established earlier, Aaron, women were dying a lot from fucking. Well, only once from the oh, side. Oh, yeah. No, it, it really right. was probably, I mean, Aaron, probably a safe haven at that time. Yeah, sex was dangerous, man. But even just even like, you know, if the whole society is saying like, hey, don't even try this. If you're a woman, you're probably going like, oh, man, fuck, all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, traditionally, you know, abstinence only education always works out in women's favor. 
you fucking you know i'm not saying that it, it it's but i'm just saying like if it like a safe place to be is what is what i mean safe you know yeah, safer than the streets safer than the general population i, I would yeah, agree yeah absolutely. right if, if you're if you're gonna be in a cult it's it's being the one where they're not fucking yeah well being the one where they're at least i mean not going to kill you during childbirth or just or they advocate for equal rights or attack you yeah, yeah. right exactly so uh, in in less than ten years of doing all of this, he gained the community. His community gained four thousand followers, and they the idea was that, like Aaron said, they were convinced, or whether they believed it or not, or it's just a safe place to be. But the idea was, we live on the inside. That was yeah. their motto. Yeah. We live on the inside. Yeah, and people came in. It wasn't just women too. There's there's this story of this man in Chicago. It's from this uh, great book from Carl Kramer's Dark Trees to the Wind, which is this just this this uh, verbal storytelling history of all of these weird cult stuff things that are happening through uh, America. And this is from a guy in Chicago who joined. And this, this guy, he said, I was barbering at the Sherman Hotel in Chicago, left my room for a walk down State Street. 1900 elections were going on. Speakers were hollering. One corner or another, the Salvation Army was holding a meeting, but I wasn't paying, paying anybody mind. I was out for a walk. Then I saw a fellow speaking beside a post that had a sign on it, some sign you hear, see on the wall here. It said, we live inside. What he said made sense, and I stopped to listen. I bought a copy of The Flaming Sword, which is their pamphlet, from a man standing behind the speaker. It was three cents, but I gave him a nickel and said, keep the change. I read it at bed that night. Before I went to sleep, I was inside. Mm-hmm. Uh. So there's something there calling to people going. Get, oh, John get loves inside. Get, get inside. Get in. Aaron. Aaron knows the bits. Aaron yeah, knows the good, bit. good bit. Hey, we all. <laughs> you're freezing. Nobody can hear how good my bit is because you're froze up. You're froze up. No. Yeah. No. I wasn't no, doing your is. bit. I was just saying we we're all inside. No. 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 I'm just saying that you froze and so. If you're no, lauding no, no, no. my I'm... bit, it was a terrible time to do it because you destroyed it. Oh well, then I'll stop and doing ruin it. it. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, well, it's a great bit. It, yeah, but it also is something that is very. Um, I don't know, do you, Matt. What do you think? It, it was. Is there? Do you think it was like they felt reassurance by that idea? Well, I mean, I think they. A lot of them grew up with. Um, I mean, one of the things that that uh, it's almost. Uh, is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but isn't not almost worse than flat Earth, where it's like literally the whole world revolves around me. Well, yes and no. I mean, um, one of the things he argues is that Teed argues is that um, you know this idea of this Copernican method of 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 the solar system was created in the Dark Ages, which. Yeah. You know, it should be the dark ages. So should obviously they should know less. What I think what it is is in a world that is ever changing, there's a fi- there's a a finite answer, right? And then you can claim it, and you that in that claiming, like most cults, you with that claim and hold, you are now in control of your world again, as opposed to these outside forces. Hmm. So here's a man. He's talking about all the shit. He's walking down State Street, and all these people are yelling at him. And he's, you know, it's, it's left and right, people yelling. And then here's this one. So he can, he's in control now, now that he grabs hold of this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, you're not really much of a messiah cult leader unless you have an original explanation for how the universe works. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a thing, though. But also, if it's, if it's you know, if it's... A, a messiah doesn't go... And if I could just piggyback off of what the other guy said, <laughs> that doesn't usually demand respect. Right. Uh-huh, I know, but in all fairness, also, that does work, in my opinion. Well, I mean, well, especially if you're a woman back then, right? You have no control over yeah. anything in your life. And yeah. here's a society you can live in where you finally have any control. Yeah. You know? You can't leave the house. So he, now you're here. You can do work. You can go outside and do other stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, so around this time, uh, uh, you know, uh, 1880s or early 1890s, he also he then meets this woman, uh, one convert called uh, Annie G. Ordway. And in her, he sees the mystical woman who had first sprung into his visions. Hell yeah. Her, her name then becomes Victoria Gracia. <laughs> and she becomes his permanent <laughs> companion, his supposedly celibate partner. Nice. Uh, he be, he, he's yeah. the spiritual leader. He calls himself the spiritual leader of the organization, and she's the president. Huh. And then they also have a council of seven women representing the seven planets. But then also in Chicago, then they get uh, harassment from the police, lawsuits, more lawsuits from the husbands of converted wives. And then they also, because they're in Chicago, they start getting the negative press. 1890, the Chicago Tribune has an article where they call him, quote, an unproposing man of 53 years of age of wiry build with the appearance of an ordinary man of not the highest grade of human origin. <laughs> not the highest grade. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. You want to talk about not the highest grade of anything? This fucking guy right here smells like shit. Probably a virgin hanging around with all these broads that if you big broads that don't talk. I'll tell you, I don't know where this fucking beef came from, but it's not fucking boar's head if you get my fucking gist. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, fucking this guy, the, the human origin of this fellow is fucking far down Damn below down. the fucking... Dude, that, that is also just uh, masterful language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of, 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 of uh, humiliation. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it is... Uh, you, you really have to put people on the pedestal for how good they can shit on other people <laughs> through language. Oh, it really is something special. There's a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> they say, they say with you, <laughs> he claims to be the son of God and he bears a, fa- a family resemblance to the almighty. If he does, we have reason to rejoice that the creator of the universe remains invisible. Oh, oh, oh my God. Uh, later, the, the Tribune calls him, uh, quote, an undersized, smooth-shaven man whose brown, restless eyes flow and burn like live coals, who exerts a strange, mesmerizing influence over his converts, particularly the other sex. That was kind of positive. Yeah. Chicago, Chicago Herald writes hot, hairless there. Twinkie. <laughs> I'm a hot, hairless twink. <laughs> I won't fuck your wife, trust me. <laughs> He's a dude, man. I'm a hot, hairless twink. I, I'm, I'm smooth as a ball. I won't fuck anybody. Let's share stuff. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go habitate and come. <laughs> let's go tend to the garden. Let's do a COVID EO together. <laughs> come on. Come on here. The, the Chicago Herald writes, the absolute, irresponsible, immaculate, and invalid high muck-a-muck if there ever was one. 
I muck Damn. or muck. That's so good. Immaculate. Yeah. I love the word immaculate so much. Yeah. In, in 1892, uh, Koresh himself writes that Dr. Teed, as he called himself, also, well, apparently in the third person, Dr. Teed will die, the termination of his natural career will be tragic. He will reach death at the instigation of people who profess the religion of Jesus, the Christ of God. And then he says he will be reborn within three days like mm. Jesus. And that was 1892, mind you. He's not dead yet. Aaron, what so are you now, doing? Putting together your tech decks or something? Yeah. <laughs> I was plugging it in. <laughs> tech decks, the skateboards? <laughs> yeah, that's the right. Yeah, do it on screen. I like that. <laughs> Great tech decks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. Thank you. That was, thank you for indulging me there. See you, kickflip. Any flips? Any flips? <laughs> Any flips? All right, all right. So, so now, now his 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 group is growing and they're getting more trouble and trouble, and so the the natural thing here to do is uh, is move, and so they go on a tour of the country to move, and there's and they end up in uh, in Florida, and there's two versions of how they ended up in Florida. And because Koresh, his idea is he wanted to establish, quote, the center of the new world government. Mm, perfect. Idea. Yeah. Uh, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the UN General Assembly will be held in <laughs> like in Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one version of this story is that in 1893, uh, Teed and some of the Koreshians, they went out looking for, quote, the point where the Vitellus of the Ecomico Organic Cosmos specifically determines. You, you have to remember that a lot of his writing is this amazing gobbledygook of, yeah. of ideas people are familiar with, with new age ideas people are not familiar right. with. Probably, some, really probably told, some like Napoleon Hill type stuff in there too, like self-helpy, inspirational yes. type bullshit. He told a very fine line. Like yeah. a, the way a lot of people say quantum now. It's like a bu- these buzzwords yes. of the time. Like, oh, it's quantum... <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's probably it's probably alchemico. I probably mis mistyped the alchemico organic, right? The yeah. alchemy of of yeah. of rant, you know. The alchemical organic cosmos specifically determines that. So we're going to find it just randomly. So so through the spiritual guidance of this, in less than a year, they ended up in Pointe Rasa, Florida, where they convinced a this German immigrant named Gustav Damkoller to donate his 320 acres near Estero Bay to them. Estero, Estero, down Estero. Estero Bay in Fort Myers there. And so for this, they this is the first story. They promised Damkoller eternal life. Well, that's, now, the, a, that's a bargain. Yeah. Yeah, you can go anywhere then. Now, the second the second version of this story is that Dom Kohler was a mystic and bought the land at the urging of a voice in his head 20 years earlier. And then eventually he showed up there, stayed there for seven years, even through the death of his wife and six children, to the Florida climate. Sounds yeah. like he killed him. <laughs> I'm not a farmer. I'm not a farmer. I, I don't know. I, I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not a farmer. I just... I, just, I, I could talk I, to him in my head. I, you know, my thing is the messages from the Lord... But farming, I don't, I don't have it. You know, when the first five kids died, I was like, "Wow, this sucks." But then when the sixth one, I was like, 
maybe the voices are right. <laughs> I was like, man, it really seems like I'm being tested. <laughs> this, is, this is really good stuff. Yeah, and uh, and then Koresh showed up and eventually accepted the invitation and and uh, to take the 320 acres as an unsolicited gift. Of course, later they went to court over this. <laughs> it's hard to believe, but... Uh, Damn. Yeah. In 1894, having now all of this acreage, um, the rest of the Koreshes left Chicago. Uh, or not the rest of them, a, bu- a bunch of them with uh, tea. They left Chicago, took seven trains... They arrived at Punta Gorda, took a sailboat to Mound Key, and then to a towboat to Halfway Creek. And then from there, they dragged everything they owned 50 miles over land to Estero Bay, wow. where they established their headquarters. Now, for 10 months there, they slept in tents and in the mud. And after a year, 100 of them had established the new Koreshian Cooperative and com- Communistic Colony. Mm-hmm. So much for living inside. <laughs> <laughs> Cyrus Teed was well. The whole 56. thing is inside, Aaron. You gotta understand. <laughs> That's the thing. We're all it's inside so. by default. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm it, new here. There's, there's there's just greater versions of inside. That's the whole deal. You know, I'm right? Like a Russian so sting doll of an inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, there there can be there can be shitty insides. Everything about that. <laughs> yeah, all those dead pregnant ladies from the previous story. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Their insides were real shitty. Oh. So, so in 1895, they finish uh, the original setup. And he's 56, but now they have like a place to live. They have a co-op. And then even better news. So with this college he started, you know, a few years ago, it has professors and shit, right? And so in 1896, Ulysses Grant Morrow, who's a Koreshian uh, College of Life professor, he claims to have invented a device to prove that the Earth is concave. Uh-huh. Oh, and God. so finally, all of these beliefs are coming together because now he's Thank going to God, have scientific man. proof Thank God. Because it's of the true. show. Yeah. So this device is called the uh, rectil- rectilineator. Aaron, you know all about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quantum. <laughs> it's... Now they have the quantum rectilineator. <laughs> Crazy shit. <laughs> And that thing works. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to say that thing, but it works pretty. <laughs> Overtime. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> okay, so the, 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 rect, the rectilator, what does that do, Matt? Rectilineator. 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 So the rectilineator well, It sets is... your shit straight. <laughs> yes, you're catching on to the. <laughs> it sets their shit straight. Yeah, because what it is, it's a series of ten T squares. You know, T squares. So mm-hmm. when you're doing construction, that little T-shaped device you use to draw straight lines and make sure things are kind of even. And so these T squares are set up horizontally together, head to head, then toe to toe, head to head, and on top of each each T square is mounted on top of a leg. And right. the idea is very simple. If the Earth was concave, a straight line beginning at any point on Earth would eventually hit Earth. But if Earth was convex, right. a straight line would never hit the Earth and eventually just end up in space. Right. So they started drawing a line That's right. from Estero Bay. Yep. And after five months, they reached Naples, Florida, whereupon the, land, the line they had drawn hit 
the water. Yeah. Therefore, it's a it, spoon. Yeah. 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 It's constant. Aaron, did I say, Aaron, did I tell you about this before? No. Yeah. This was like the local. I mean, you, I can't believe you didn't tell me because now I've been thinking the earth was a sphere my whole fucking life. <laughs> well, I know how fragile your mind is. And I didn't want to shock you. You, wait, you waited this long to tell me that the earth is a spoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that cool? No, man. <laughs> fucked up. I'm pretty fucking far from cool, man. <laughs> Look at him go. <laughs> this is my favorite. He's so relaxed, too. Rolling around in his yeah, he's, fucking really he's just we're gonna finish this episode. He's just gonna close his laptop and roll right over and go to sleep. <laughs> That's that. Probably <laughs> everybody thinks I'm like that. Just leave the camera on. It's <laughs> like an off switch. <laughs> like you know. Yeah. Just down down power me. Um. Yeah. Uh. It's uh. It's the one thing I knew that Matt like. You know, if when Matt told me he was going to do something on it, I was like, all I know about those guys is they were the earliest settlers settlers in that part of of Florida. And when like other like white people came and were settling, the Coreshians were the ones that kind of like showed them how to live and like navigate the land and stuff like that. And then it was just like, also one of those things where like those people were kind of like, Hey, those guys are weird, huh? <laughs> and it was like, but it was like, um, they had, Man, their women know, are really horny, <laughs> but they had that thing. The one, the one weird thing about it is that it seems, like, you know, so crazy culty, except that like, it was like about, um, no, no uh, population, no, no yeah. babies, no. Um... The one cult that doesn't want to fuck. Yeah, yeah. And... So can it be really even called a cult then? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was. Isn't that a trip though? Like they yeah. just like, and they they just die out. Their whole like, yeah, ideas, their whole way of life, everything just died out over time because they were just so against. Yeah, well, it's a lot easier to indoctrinate babies than it is to convert adults. Yeah. And so that's kind of a shitty business model. But kudos to them for sticking to their guns. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they would do the thing where, yeah, they had – it was basically like Matt was saying, the T thing, where it was just basically tracing a string and thinking that you were going to see an up curve if it went on long enough, because obviously the earth is definitely concave and inside Concave? <laughs> Did you just say concave? Concave? Concave. I'm pretty sure you said concave, which is where you're at now. The concave. That's what Jesus came out of. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Jesus joined us, and I'm John Fahey here in the concave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 11:28 you know, during the apocalypse, and I'm here in the cum cave. 
Ironically, just like what these Fort guys Myers, are, you're right here. Is, the cum cave is actually inside of me. Oh, I'm a hot white trash cum cave. I'm a hot white trash cum cave. Come scribble some fucking drawings inside me. Oh my god, you're <laughs> sick. What, is that alright? I'm sorry. Dude, we have standards on this show. Alright, cool. Okay, so now that he had figured, now that he finally had proof, right, of uh, of his belief, now it was time to publish a book. Of course. And so he published a book called The Cellular Cosmog- Cosmog- Cosmogony. The Cellular Cosmogony. And so in it, he went after Copernican, uh, the Copernican system. Um, he started attacking science that was only based on hypothesis and like theory. His, like everything he did? Well, no, but Aaron, he had this device. He had the strings, right. That proved. So he was the only one. Right. Um, he and, and so he goes into further, he starts writing down his theory about um, his ideas. And in, it, in the book, he describes the moon, planets, and stars as optical illusions. Uh-huh. They're just reflections in, this, in these spoons of the sun and earth. So all you're seeing is reflections. Everything else, the sun and the earth are real. Everything else is a reflection. Mm-hmm. And so... Can I just speak up for stupid people for a second? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just speak up for stupid people for one uh-huh. minute? Please do. This theory, not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? <laughs> I know Aaron's not buying it, but I'm not buying it. Yeah, but but <laughs> you like know, do you know where I'm coming from here? It's fun. If you're a dumbass motherfucker, you'd be like, man. I mean, because cool. also, because also, you know what? Washing your hands was considered a joke. And Washing your hands is too much for these people. Yeah, but it was considered a joke, is what I'm saying. They probably it, wash it's, their it's, hands. it's very sensible. What I'm saying is, if you don't know what's facts yet, there's a lot of things that you'd be like, oh, yeah, duh. But, like, you know, you'd be like, I mean, all this shit's a fucking reflection. You're like, settle down. You know? Mm-hmm. It's deftly wrong. Drastically wrong. But it's a pretty good story. Pretty good theory. Yeah, it seems like- Seems like a good time, you know. Throw it out there, you know, with what you have at the time. Yeah, yeah. You get a better telescope, and you be like, okay, well, that's not true at all. Yeah, I mean, you never use the telescopes. You have to worry about. I mean, that. you know, Copernicus figured it out three hundred years earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't in the Florida swamp. Yeah. No, in the light of it. So, in this book. uh, you know, so he has he has a device, he, you know, reflections, uh, but also analog to the cel- cellular uh, cosmog- cosmogony was the anthroposic cosmos. Uh, man, so basically, uh, centered around man. So the same thing that he had for the cosmos, but with the human body. Now, uh, planetary bodies, not planetary bodies, and producing a. a um, Planetary body, the human body is producing a constant flow between spirit and matter. So much like the the shell shape of the universe, humans also have this connection to the spiritual world, and therefore the humans are a universe inside of the universe. Mm-hmm. And therefore, this is the true essence of we live 
on the inside. Mm-hmm. Oh God, this sounds really good to me. I'm and, buying it. I mean, it, it and this so, one makes a little more sense. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no, there, you know, Come on. Well, your mind goes on forever, right? Well, I was into it three minutes ago, man. Dude, there's no such thing as time. How much into it could you be? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is uh, this is from the the book itself. Uh, for instance, the physical universe. There are stories in the heavens, uh, one above or the other in space, interior to which is the central star. In every story in the physical heavens, there are astral nuclei belonging to each degree or story. But none of these is visible in the natural eye, except those in the first or lowermost heaven. The visible stars are in our own atmosphere, the lowest natural or physical heaven. These stars are not great worlds, but focal points of energy, wherein the partial materialization and dematerialization as a result of active combustion. Correspondingly, in the anthropostic heavens, the heavens within the human race of which humanity is the rind or pediment, there are degrees, the first containing the mental centers, the most brilliant of which are accredited with being stars. However, each mentality is a star of great or less magnitude, or, if not a star, a nebulous approach to one. As in the physical universe, there is a central star. So in the anthropostic universe, there is a corresponding stellar center. Stellar center. So, right. insanity. Yeah, it's a but lot of woo behind it. <laughs> yeah, you know, he really... The whole yeah. thing is right on, and I back it up a thousand percent. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you know, a lot of metaphysic bullshit. Yeah, but but that's the, that's the beauty. He's taking these things people aren't familiar with, mixing them with some things people are half familiar with, right, and making to it sound thing, to to make it sound like people things people are familiar with but don't want to get involved. That's in. pretty hot stuff. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, you add a little, you make it, you give it a structure, and all of mm-hmm. a sudden you have a narrative that kind of plays. Yes. You know. Um, Give a dog a bone. <laughs> a bone? <laughs> Feels so good. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I saw some real quick side note. A couple of good <laughs> reviews on IMDb of Private Teacher featuring Honey Wilder. <laughs> save, uh-huh. I'll save that one for the next episode. Please, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I got a, I got a really looking for the next Patreon. You got some hmm? porno, porno. I got red light, red light district. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 1903, back to the colony. 1903 in Estero, um, the colony has about 200 members, and now they're producing citrus. They're, you know, like John was saying, you know, they're they're making tons Juice of money from from their citrus plantation. They know how to work the land. They know how to like make this juice and make money off of it. And they make a bunch of money. And with this money, they're able to buy another 7.5 thousand acres. And on top of that, they build 70 buildings. One of them, a floating stage on the Estero River. And on that stage, they have classical music concerts. Okay. They also, they also build an art hall which is still there today and you can go visit. Uh, at, the, at the time, it was, it, they filled it with charts of, uh, uh, of, of cosmology, cellular co- cosmology, like, uh, and a globe that you could pull apart, and when you pulled it apart, you could see inside the shell. Ah, yeah. uh, I like that. I had, I had been there before. Uh, they had, their College of Life was renamed the Pioneer University of Koreshian Universology. Pioneer? 
Pioneer. Pioneer. Pioneer, Aaron? No. <laughs> it's not binary. It's pinary. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can take a slice of whatever uh, sort of uh, red thing that you might That 3.14 of a slice. Uh... Uh, the, the, universe, the Pioneer University of Correction Universology, uh, they, their brass band won first prize at the Florida State Fair. Hey. <laughs> Hell yeah. Rock and roll, bro. 1904, Koresh, he runs for office in the county. Uh, under the quote Progressive Liberty Party. Nice. Uh, he tours with his brass band. Pretty pretty party? Progressive Liberty Party. Oh, I got you the stuttered pretty, out. Pretty pretty party. What nice. a pretty party. Might as well be. Uh his uh <laughs> his, he runs on a platform of public ownership of utilities, economic equality, free school, and protection of natural resources. What a piece of shit. <laughs> 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 well, well, naturally the whose pocket was he in? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, big, big environment, <laughs> big life. <laughs> I'm in big life, <laughs> big, big school, big survival, <laughs> big spoon, <laughs> big spoon. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, of of course, as you imagine, the political machine of. Fort Myers uh, was not a fan. Oh no 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 no! But 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 like I said, it was the irony was that they did really show all those early settlers that were not Christians. Yes, the way to live there. So they, they everybody that settled in that area did have a debt to the Christians because they did. They really helped them out. They were they were very yeah. like benevolent, like nice people, and and they showed them, you know, how to survive in you know a, a crazy swampy climate you know yeah mm. yeah then they you know that uh it, it kind of feels like they were dealt the raw deal but uh so the political machine of the county was not a fan and um the a few days or maybe the day before the vote uh koresh himself got into a verbal argument with the marshal of fort myers and then that escalated to a physical fight and the marshal beat him bloody Beat the shit out of him <laughs> to the point where his Koresh's followers tried to stop it, and the marshal pulled the gun on all of them and then arrested all of them. No. Yes. Wow. And then Koresh lost the election by a very small margin. Damn. And over the next four years, he was in constant pain from the beating. He never <laughs> fully recovered. And in... <laughs> you're sick. You're sick. You are sick. <laughs> you use constant pain from the beating in your you're putting your finger at me. It's so aggressive. <laughs> Both of you guys had ridiculous beatings in your stories. Yeah, that's why I laughed. <laughs> My guy had the sweet release of death. <laughs> What's yeah, this guy after four years? So in 1908, after four years of, of this pain, he died. Physically, he was just... <laughs> He's immortal from all the non-nutting. <laughs> or is both of you guys, both of you guys had dudes that got beat to death. Well, not yes. In, in like, <laughs> they took one. They took. They took four years to kill him. That is insane. It's, it's a pretty good time. 
Physically, he was in 1908. Physically, he was 69 years old. No word on how old Koresh oh, was. 69, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It was pretty cool. <laughs> now, you know, remember, he had preached that uh, uh, Theocrisis would resurrect him. Uh, it was, quote, the incorruptible dissolution without decay of flesh of a physical body by electromagnetic combustion. Right. Right? Of course. Of course. Amen. 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 So he died on December 22nd, and the prophecy was that he would rise Ah. in three days, Ah. a.k.a. Hanukkah. What? (laughs) (laughs) Three days? What? I don't know. Is that that the three days we're talking about Uh, right That's German in the United States. (laughs) In three days, I'll shock you. (laughs) Three days, I'll be right back. (laughs) See y'all in a few. (laughs) Shocking revelation. (laughs) So after he died, his his followers built a, a makeshift mausoleum. And they had a zinc bathtub. Makeshift? Right. Make they couldn't give a proper one? He did so uh, You know, you have three days, you know? Oh, okay. And uh, they had a zinc bathtub, and they put his body in the zinc bathtub. Zinc? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to send you both a picture of his body. Zinc no. bathtub. You're seeing a zinc bathtub. A, zap, a bathtub that was made of zinc, yeah. Right. Uh, they put him in the bathtub, and they waited. Um, after three days, he didn't come back. Well, the zinc should theoretically suck out all the death. You'd think so. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, I take Zycam. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> and then after less than a week, the local <laughs> health... is being very patient. <laughs> the camera just goes to Aaron's grimacing and being fine. I'll allow it. Oh, you can set it. John, I forgot. You can set it so you can see everybody without having to... No, no, no. The camera just chooses yeah. whoever's talking, but Aaron wasn't talking and, and oh, just no, showed him being disappointed and I really enjoyed it. That's interesting. I it was, see all you guys. It was almost as if uh, 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 the camera was like, note his disappointment. And I thought it was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the software the is run by the editors of the office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very true. So after uh, less than a week, the local health authorities showed up and they said, yeah, you got to bury this guy. So they went to uh, Estero Island. They buried him there. And uh, Annie Ordway, his old uh, partner, she tried to take over and declare herself leader. The group splintered. No way. She left. Uh, She took her followers. She went to Tampa. According to friendsofcoreshin.org, a few dozen people stayed uh, to wait out his resurrection. Uh, they even uh, they had they had they put a guard. Uh, like according to Kasi, people were worried that someone was going to break in to his tomb and pull him out. So they put a guard there. According to friends of Koresh, they put a guard to his next to his tomb just in case he woke up, so they could bring him back. <laughs> so they could arrest him again. <laughs> but him again. but they also what they did on the island they tied a boat to a palm tree. Just in case he resurrected and no one was there, he could take the boat back. Good God. And right. then in 1921, a short 13 years later, people were still there. A hurricane hit Estero Island. His tomb and his bathtub were tossed into the Gulf of Mexico. Jesus. A few bones were later found. They were interred at the old store on Route 41. 
Nice. And then a few years later, the old store burned down wow. and all of him was gone. Damn. <laughs> and they never found any of him again. Yeah, 41. And... 41. I spent a lot of time dropping up down 41. That was, oh, I bet. That was, uh, it was alongside like 75, you know, like 95 on the East Coast of Florida went to New York, 75 went to the Midwest. And it was just down either coast lanes. But 41 was another one that went up like all the way into the Midwest. Hmm. And uh, yeah, they were they were always just uh, obviously probably like one of the most or, or the most uh, historic, you know, non-natives in mm-hmm. the region. And well, it, uh, it, it didn't quite end there. So while most of the followers had left and the group had dissipated, there was this teacher named Hedwig Michelle. She was a Jewish woman who was living in Germany. One of her pupils found out, one of her students found out about this whole thing and became obsessed with it and taught her about it. And when the Germans started taking over, or when the Nazis started taking over Germany, she fled Germany. Her pupil did not. He stayed there. He was killed in the concentration camp. But, mm. but he, he taught her about this and she became obsessed with it and she fled Germany and went to Florida and tried to start it up again. Mm. And so in the 40s, she briefly no. resurrected it before she died. Mm. That's fucking crazy, man. And she, so she converted to Korshianity. Koreshianity. And uh, she died in her 60s. And she, she, um, she donated 300 acres of the Koreshian land to the state of Florida which eventually become the public uh, site, the Koreshian State uh, Historical Park. Site. Yeah. Hmm. And so yeah. she lived there until 1982 when she died. Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice park, too, that has, you know, things that are you know, little tidbits about the history of, you know, the cult and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, you know, um, they didn't believe in reproducing. That's why they're not here. It's still almost caught on again because of this one kid in Germany then getting his teacher into it. I think that was probably part of it too. Is that like one of those things like the guy having no stake in the game, like no, yes, like absolutely. no really selfish thing right. where you go like, Oh, okay. Maybe there's something to this because um, he's not trying to fuck our wives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or us. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> you know, like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> that all the gym, the, uh, gym something. If you're so straight, kiss me. That <laughs> 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 thing I think about Jason Van Glass talking about that with Joan. Um, yes, he like so he's going like, yeah, we play, we play all these tricks on people, just being like, yeah, you know, you're not gay, I'm not gay, but if you're so straight, kiss me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was. I mean, obviously, the whole you know spoon shit is fucking insanity or whatever. But like, the cult seems fairly harmless. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, it, it, they they seem like they they meant well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Compared to like the vast majority of them, they seem like one of like the two percent that are like fucking. <laughs> yeah. Fine. You don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to fuck anybody. Right, right. You don't have to jump on a comet or anything like that. Yeah. It's pretty good stuff, man. Hey. Pretty, 
wonderful stuff. I like hearing a decent cult story. Isn't it fun? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it fun? That's when they get all as down as and as swampy. Yeah, well, when they, you know, they stop being you so wait. Yeah, when they get way down here on the Chattahoochee. <laughs> but yeah, it gets hotter than a dead lady's coochie. No, hooker's pussy. Hooker's pussy. Yeah. Uh, hooker's pussy. Which you should wash your hands before you get in there <laughs> and after. <laughs> hey boys, this was uh, this was um, this nice. Uh, it was nice. I <laughs> don't act like you're unimpressed by it, you piece of shit. No, I just really miss being in the same room. I know, I know, no, I completely agree. I do, I do feel exactly the same way, and um, I hope it never has to happen again. Um, but I'm sure it will probably for many months to come. Um, because Aaron, I don't know, you go out to and you do all you do all kinds of nasty shit with all kinds of disgusting people, and um, what? me and Matt are good boys, but you're nasty as fuck, oh, and yeah, you hell. can't be trusted, so. Um, I'm not washing my fucking hands or nothing. No, 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 no. Not a guy like you. No, no. I just piss on it. I piss on the motherfucker. I won't touch it, but I'll piss. I'll piss. I'll piss on it. This motherfucker. Why you gotta say nasty shit, Ray? Because I'm a nasty motherfucker. Um, Aaron, um, you were very funny in this episode. Hey, thank you very much. That hadn't really happened in the. 100 previous episodes oh, but it is no but you were very funny i believe really, really, no, i can't you know i can't you're pretty see good you in you know in the in the, in the flesh as i no. you know you know i get too greedy in the flesh you know what i mean right that's but right. um but it was very fun um uh, uh both mm. of you provided uh, was a story both i know you, how much i love you. electro alchemy both of you provided <laughs> incredible profiles and um I'm, I'm very grateful for you boys. I do want to say to uh, our Patreon subscriber, uh, Brett Harris, that uh, we love you. And yeah. uh, thank you for getting in touch. The last couple of messages from you. Very, very nice. Yeah. yeah. And um, wash your hands. Uh, stay inside. Wash your hands. Don't touch <laughs> your face. And uh, I love you, good boys. And I'm going to say good night. My name is John Fahey. My name is Aaron Pita. Uh, my name is Matt Brousseau. I just want to just, sorry, guys. The next thing in this kooks book is a letter Don Acasio received called Men Can Have Babies. Oh, boy. That will, be covered. That will be covered in the next Patreon. <laughs> what are men? <laughs> anyway, good night, Matt Brousseau. Thank okay. you. Good night, everybody. We love you. <laughs> Gender's a hope. Good night. Podcast Network.